what you watching? Got a problem with cartoon? episode of Cartoon Night in Canada, a nostalgic podcast where we dig through the animated past to find what cartoons made here in Canada are worth remembering. I'm your co-host, Chris Lucy Antonio. And I'm your co-host, Sylvie Kettles. Sylvie, I got a question for you. When was the last time that we w- w- that we went back to the treasure trove that is the NFB oh, archives? Gosh. Uh, we definitely took a break in December because we had much more important things to do. Yes, we uh, fully weaved out uh, in December, uh, much to our regret. Yeah, so I, I think the last time... Oh, God. Because I don't think we did anything in October. And I... It's been a minute, yeah. Yeah, we might have done something in November, but if not, it's definitely been since September. Oops. I'll say that much, oops, because this is... Uh, I, it's kind of the one thing that we do on this podcast feed that we can continually point to and say, like, no, we are absolutely students of <laughs> Canadian animation. We are appreciators of the long, varied, and diverse history we, of Canadian animation in all its forms. We do care. We do. We try. We try. That's the whole idea behind the NFB showcase is that we want to... Highlight the stuff that is just not playing. That's not playing on Teletoon, YTV, or your cable channel of preference. We want to give you the fuller picture of Canadian animation and all the many techniques, styles, and forms it can take. And sometimes it works very well for programming. Every once in a while, we get lucky. Yeah. Yeah. So. I believe we did an NFB showcase uh, for Pride Month. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was that? I Like Girls, and I forget the exact short name, but it was that short about Tegan and Sarah. No, no, I Like Girls uh, was one that I accidentally That's right, just right, we <laughs> fucked up. I forgot about that. I, I fucked up. No, it was a collective fuck up. Don't worry about it. I I hold responsibility. Um, it was the that... other the other one was the memoir about reviving the, the roost. Yeah. Right, reviving the roost, and I think that short film was actually just called a short film about Tegan and Sarah. Yes, it was. Okay, great. Uh, so February, as you all may know, is Black History Month, and while your two hosts on this podcast are very, very, very white, extremely. Yes, I mean we host a podcast. I mean, one, we host a podcast. Yeah, that's, that's two, strike one. Two, it's about Canadian animation. Strike two. Largely, and that's largely uh, aired on television. We, and the, the amount of references we fucking make, it's tragic. But, thankfully, the NFB, for the many, many criticisms that you can throw against it, and I have some myself, they're at least willing to put their money where their mouth is and promote and support artists uh of all diverse walks of life every once in a while 
every once in a while. Not enough. Let's lay it out there right now. There are plenty of uh, artists of color, indigenous artists, uh, and queer artists who are absolutely not getting the funding that the NFB could potentially provide to them. Let's just yeah. lay that out. Yeah, the fact that um, when we when we decided that it would be interesting to do an NFB showcase for Black History Month, and then we looked at our options and we're like, well, it looks like we're doing a single artist showcase. At least under the uh, Celebrate Black Voices um, category on the NFB website, which, you know, it's Black History Month, they're technically a streaming service, you gotta have one of those, and slim pickings when it comes to uh, animated shorts produced through the NFB by black artists. Yeah. It turns out there's really only a handful of black animators that they work with. Which, you know what, they can absolutely change. Like, if any, if we can do anything with this uh, little platform that we have and this uh, highlight episode for uh, black artists working with the NFB, it's that they can do so much more and support more uh, black artists here in Canada. And maybe they should. No, absolutely they should. Hey, like, NFB. Why the hell not? Get on it. Do better. <clears throat> NFB, do better. But, yeah, so in terms of programming a Black History Month episode for the NFB Showcase, it only really ca came down to one potential name. There was a couple of other shorts, but they weren't um, long is the real thing. They didn't, yeah, they weren't, a lot uh, of the substantial others were shorts. like three minutes or less. Which, like, there are plenty of things you can do within that three minutes and plenty of story to, uh, and conversation that we had about it. But for this case, there is one particular name that stood out among the very minor selection that we just decided to do a full-on double feature for. Yeah, and that would be the one and only uh, Martine Chauchand. She is a uh, right. yeah, Montreal-born um, artist of Haitian descent. Uh, and she does this this paint on glass style that uh, she she studied under the uh, the Russian artist Alexander Petrov for for a number of years and basically like took that uh, that art style and fucking ran with it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, you may have seen a couple of Alexander Petrov's uh, shorts, particularly like the Mermaid, the Old Man in the Sea, or. Uh, My Love, which I believe was nominated at the Oscars for Best Animated Short in 2007, 2006. Um, yeah, so th this uh, showcase essentially is just looking at this one woman's career and seeing how between two major works that she released in it, uh, just how this paint-on-glass animation technique has evolved and was proved very well-suited for the uh, cultural issues and themes that she wants to address with her work, specifically black culture and black history. Yeah, because there's there's a lot to talk about and her particular style flows very well that you can get a lot of information in a short period of time. Mm -hmm. And like the fascinating thing about both of these uh, shorts is that there is next to no dialogue or narration. It is all done through her collaborations with other black artists, specifically like African rhythm, gospel music, uh, singers and uh jazz pianists and things of that nature uh so it's interesting how in both cases we have a filmmaker working with uh her technique and using it to just explicate an entire history of a people and 
Shall we just get into it? Let's! Black Soul was Mar- Martine Chotran's uh, second feature through the uh, the NFB. Her first one was uh, God, TV Tango in 1992. Um, but that one's boring. It's still gorgeous, but um, but uh, we decided to skip ahead to Black Soul. It was uh, released in 2000, and it uh, is sort of a uh, a brief overview of a lot of uh black history specifically in regards to the transatlantic slave trade um told and all of its aftermath told through the stories that this grand this grandmother is sharing with her grandson um as uh he grows up into in montreal and into this uh a part of this history mm-hmm yeah, I. What it is, it's an opportunity for Chautron um, uh, to use her uh, paint on glass style to invoke this impression that Black history is constantly alive in all aspects of this grandmother's life and and the life that she's imparting onto her grandson. It's the manner in which Chartrand uh, weaves these uh, vignettes of like important moments or defining moments in black history into this dialogueless conversation that uh this grandmother's having with her grandson it's it's the way that she melds these gorgeous smudging transitions throughout this short yeah like there's there are some um symbols in here that that you you do get the idea of like what this this boy's uh struggle is that like there's this shot of um like white faces arguing with black faces and then like a small vision like going into his his heart a tiny version of himself and then like he knocks over this this uh figure figure that his grandmother has and so it's like completely wordless showing that he's got resent like He's probably having beef with racist kids in school, and he's feeling resentful of it, and then his that leads to his grandmother telling the story of this this long-spanning history of basically where they came from. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's one of those uh, teachable moments where it becomes important to impart onto the next generation the long line of history that they are taking part in. Yeah, because, I mean, that, and that's the same for, for everyone, that everyone is just a new link in this long, long chain. And then you have choices to make based on, but you have to know exactly, you have to know where you came from in order to understand what you can do moving forward. Yeah, it's, the the film is this um, meditation on memory and like living memory and 
Uh, I think that that's, there's no better representation of that than, again, it's all it all lives or dies by Chartrand's uh, beautiful transition work. And it's the way that the grandmother's cardigan, there is a, like a push-in zoom on it, and the paint-on-glass technique starts to mold through the cardigan, and it starts to play out a cotton field and slaves picking cotton in the same color as the cardigan. Which presumably is made of cotton, too. Exactly. So it's like it's just... creating this living memory out of the textures of the modern day. This uh, constant need to like never live in denial of the impact of slavery on contemporary times. It's like always... It's, it's always can be traced back to it. And it's an important thing that Black Soul is doing is because there's a blurb at the end of the film that reads in verbatim, in Canada, there were a mare Indian and black slaves from the 17th and uh, 19th, from the 17th to the 19th century, which is a topic not often discussed, like black slavery in Canada, not often discussed. That's because that's Canada loves to pretend that we're the nice one. Yeah, that's all the uh, bad apples to the south. That was only their doing. We we are clean yeah. of that. We we Bullshit. love we love to play the like. Well, the escaped slaves came to Canada. Yeah, but there were there there were already black folks here, and gosh, I wonder how yeah. they got here. And there is uh it in uh. Chartrand's retelling of history in Black Soul, you do see that dramatized of escaped slave moving to the north to find their freedom. But again, this entire short is framed around the fact that slavery existed in Canada as well, mm -hmm. and that history is also Canadian history. Yeah. Canada loves to pretend that we are not part of, like, that. oh, that's all America's and it's this is this this uh this film along with a lot of other work is doing doing the work of saying hey you're not allowed to pretend that yeah yeah uh i think in one of the sources i was looking at which related to um chartrand's inspirations for this uh short it's uh it's the way that the this uh, source is phrasing it where it's saying like something along the lines of while plenty have made the claim that black slavery in Canada was not that significant or widespread as in America, j just this hand washing of it in the way that it's approaching the topic. It's mm -hmm. I kind of frustrating. It's extremely frustrating. Like, and I also too appreciate that, like it points out that it wasn't, it wasn't even just um, black slaves, but that the uh, indigenous population were also sold Mm-hmm. Like, it wasn't... Because, you know, Canada's really... Canada is really never done fucking over the indigenous population. No. Uh, up to today, it yeah. has been a constant uh, persecution. Yeah. We're very, very ashamed of that. <laughs> oh, God. Um, so, let's talk a little bit about this paint-on-glass animation technique. At least from this... 2000 variation of Martin Chartrand working with it. Yeah, so like this is this is an earlier iteration of her style. She, I mean, obviously she's incredibly good at it is the thing. Oh, the de the detail work is amazing. The texture work, my god. I mean, I was uh gushing over that uh 
cotton-like transition. But there's also one into coffee. There's also one into water uh, or approximations of water. I am fucking obsessed with how she animates water. Like, in, in both of these, uh, in, in this one, there's definitely, like, a lot... It's, like, a, a thicker churning texture to it. Mm-hmm. But, like, the... God, the blues that she gets into with, like, there's a there's an underwater shot with you can, like, just barely see a few, like, fish glinting on it. I'm obsessed. It's gorgeous. The, the, the palette alone, the palette of this short, these... Like, and, the, and the way that it uh, constantly shifts depending on what the, what the inspiration for the vignette is, mm-hmm. like, what the transition is. Like, there's a moment where to she takes the grandson back to like the beginning of history uh to like ancient cave drawings and stuff like that and to ancient uh egypt yeah and it it's a zoom in into that figure's uh forehead i wish i knew what that figure was i feel like it's very important yeah because it keeps coming back i feel very out of my depth here sorry yeah i'm not i'm not even gonna guess at what it is because i know my guess would be stupid and bad yeah, so that transition into that uh, forehead, like that wooden carving's forehead, becomes sand, becomes a cave wall, and then the rolling hills of ancient Egypt. Like, and that brown, sandy t- uh, texture color is kept through mm-hmm. the, like, hundreds of years of history for this uh, montage that's happening. Yeah, really flowing through this entire history, and it's, lit- every frame is literally a painting. Yeah, yeah, abs- it is literally. Yeah. Um, I couldn't get, uh, I couldn't find a number of exact number of paintings for this short. I know that at least for the next one we're going to be covering, uh, it was over ten thousand individual paintings to make that film. Eat your heart out, loving Vincent. <laughs> yeah, because these are like, they're and this is like a little bit shorter, but. I could I could see it being somewhere around in the in the same boat. It would have to be, yeah. Uh, there is not to already compare it to the short she made a decade later, but this uh, it's a lot more limited in its animation by necessity, mm-hmm. and even so, it's again all in that transition work, which is so fluid, so gorgeous, so mind-bendingly intricate. Yes. Um, so, so part of the, um, the technique of the paint on glass is, so each, each frame is an individual painting that, um, is done on, uh, the photograph on 35 millimeter. That is, mm-hmm. uh, how she does hers. And a lot of it has to do with, like, basically just quickly pushing and pulling the paint while it's still wet. So there, there is a lot of smearing and, and smudging and like, this is, this is another animation style where I love because you can see the human touch to it. Oh yeah. Like any, any bit of motion in the frame, just like, don't look at the motion itself. Don't look at the figure on the frame. Look at the area around them and just look at all the smudge work that's being done to mask this, um, like this motion of movement. It's so fascinating how... As you said, you could really track all of the uh, artist imprints on the film itself. Yeah, this is this is to to return to that cardigan to the cotton field shot. There's like a really good uh, example of that of this technique in like as um, as one 
one person is, like, loading cotton into someone else's basket, like, in order to show, like, the, the little white balls of cotton going in, like, it's just erasing, so just, like, smudging out one white circle, and so, like, you're literally creating the sense of something being added by taking away paint. Mm-hmm. Use that negative space, baby! And, and I like the way that, uh, she adapts his technique for these, uh, depictions of memory because there are moments later in the short where uh specifically in the history dealing with the dealing with the uh emancipation and freedom of the slaves and escaping to the north where it's presented or it's like filmed or animated like it's a memory Mm -hmm. so it's a lot more hazy and uh blurry in the motions like characters will move the figures will move their heads around and the smudging is so intense you can barely make out their uh expression yeah because like as they move it's sort of just like taking the whole piece with them yeah it's uh i like i'm wondering what it exactly represents i guess uh this is a history that is being erased by uh, contemporary times, and it's getting harder to see it clearly. Could be. Could be. The closer you get to to modern times, the more it becomes, like, in the stories of individuals rather than the stories of kind of a wall of people. Yeah, and, like, when we get to uh, contemporary times, like, uh, the what we would call modern history, like the past 100 years, that's when it becomes a very abrupt montage like in the span of like 25 seconds uh we see this young boy who's like who is put into these moments in history through the grandmother's storytelling and is like placed in these historical vignettes we see uh like the is it jesse owens the olympic runner yes it's like the jesse owens at the olympics we see we hear and see martin luther king jr's speech uh we you know the one (laughs) You know, you know the one. We see uh, highlights of the civil rights movement and uh, very important historical uh, protests and movements, and it all happens like so quickly. And then we get into the, we get a nice, very bluesy montage of jazz singers and entertainment. And I think it's supposed to be like Duke Ellington and Billie Holiday, uh, or maybe Ella Fitzgerald. Don't quote me on this. I do not know jazz. Well, and also, like, the the, um, the uh, depictions that she's got, they don't all seem to be direct, like, caricatures of these people. Like, even, like, she, she might have had specific artists in mind, but because of the, like, the thick shadows in this, uh, not mm-hmm. all of them are obvious. Yeah, I guess not. Um, and again, I think it's just uh, the truncation of a grandmother telling the entirety of black history to a grandson yeah yeah she's she's really sprinting through it yeah much like jesse owens yeah just running through it um and apparently a lot of like the one of the framing devices of this is a book africa i i have kept your memory written by jacques roman yeah, that's the book that the, the grandmother is reading at the beginning. Yeah, another uh, Haitian scholar on black history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's, uh, it, I think it wraps it up in a very nice uh, package that and the way that this film goes about 
explicating all this memory and history and presenting it to a modern audience is extremely successful and I really, really like the ending to this. Yeah, it's it's so sweet. So the um, the the grandmother, I okay. First of all, the the little bit of animation that leads up to the finale, as like things get a little more abstract, and you get like two dancing fi- figures, and then the figures turn into the grandmother and grandson, like holding hands. He like kind of like, oh man, it's such a beautiful tender moment between the two, like just. like she has finished imparting these stories he is he's accepted them and then he goes back out into the world to play with the neighbors and it's montreal so they're making a snowman and they recreate the uh the wooden figure in the snow so it's sort of like he is taken in what she has told him and is taking that out into the world and it's a really strong way of showing that because as he exits the uh home of his grandmother uh the background around him like montreal starts to fill in as he walks in as in him moving forward into history and charting his own path and continuing the long line that his grandma's grandmother set up for him and informed him that he's a part of yeah it's it's like a we, beautiful ending yeah we literally see montreal painted behind him as he walks out into the street uh, which is so specifically Montreal, you could probably find it on a map. <laughs> I bet. Well, I mean, you definitely could because there are uh, street Streets. corners. Yeah, there's three names. Oh, I got it right here. It's uh, I can't make out the uh, adjoining street, but there is a Corsal. C-O-U-R-S-A-L. And that little like city of Montreal symbol that uh, you see a lot if you were ever to drive through Montreal. Yeah. So re- None yeah. of the streets it intersects with start with an L. Lies. Maybe, maybe one of them changed, changed names. Hopefully. Yeah. That's... I would hate to call Martin Chartrand a liar. I would never. <laughs> uh, real quick, uh, let's just uh, highlight the w- one of the main pulls of this short, and it's the nature of its collaboration mm-hmm. and the music in this short. Gorgeous. Um, so there are three three big. Um, influences to this so there's uh lillian ts coderos uh did the work for uh it's credited as just the african music yeah all right so uh then there's the um gospel singer renee lee uh, along with a gospel choir and instrumentals composed by the great montreal jazz pianist oliver jones it's also evocative like and i love the way that not only does it meld perfectly with her animation style, but it really helps uh, immerse you into these uh, pictures of history by not only having like traditional music, but having a, an ongoing score and soundtrack to link you back to these moments of history and contemporary times. Like, uh, shout outs to all of the musicians on this film. They yeah, it's, really brought it. It's stunning work. I, I also, real quick, before we move on, Wanna, uh, I went down a rabbit hole about this dedication because what was the dedication? The again? film is dedicated to the memory of Henry J. Langdon. That's it. So I wanted to find out who Henry J. Langdon was, and I was also unfamiliar. Uh, so he was a, uh, and I came across the this Government of Canada website, 
about Henry J. Langdon, an RCAF industry and union pioneer. Let's um, go. So this was from February of 2020, uh, this article. Um, and so he was, uh, he was an, an immigrant from Trinidad, who, uh, who in, uh, was born in 1911, came to Canada in 1923, um, and he served in the RCAF uh, through World War II, and he was, like, a very integral uh, aero engine mechanic, and, like, him being in the RCAF in World War II was such so unprecedented as a black man um, that, like, people are... They're like, oh my god, he must have, uh, he must have been, like, so incredible, but there's so little documentation on him oh. during service. People are just sort of speculating that he must, wow, he must have been amazing for them to overlook the fact that he was black. And I, uh, so all this article runs up to is that he retired in 1967. So I was trying to find out when he died, because it's dedicated to his memory. So it's like, okay, so he had to die sometime between 1967 and 2000. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm trying to find more details. And all I find is the RCAF and the government of Canada had another article on him in February of 2019. And then another one from February of 2018. And so it just seems that every Black History Month, the government of Canada and the Canadian, uh, the Royal Canadian Air Force just digs up this poor man's corpse to just like, hey, look, hey, look, we, we're not racist, guys. We have this guy. And I cannot find when he passed. I, I could not find an ob obituary. I couldn't find it. He doesn't have like any, there's not a lot of records other than at once, once a year, the government of Canada just remembers that this guy existed. Wow. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm not surprised that that's the extent of the government's respect of his memory. Yeah. Just something to trot out every Black History Month. Yeah, but... Uh... He, he did a lot of uh, important work in uh, Cana the Canadian air industry. Including, apparently, uh, shepherding its union yeah. delegation. Which, yeah. that makes you all right in my book. Ten out of ten. And I couldn't find, like, any direct connection, like, why this, this man would have been important enough to Mart Martin Chartrand. Again, there's, n like, in the in the little bit of digging that I did, I couldn't find any obvious connection, but... Um, well, you were kind of stymied by uh, the the official Canada government websites just constant spamming of an article. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, like, Chartrand does do a lot of um, lectures. She, she spends... She's a, a highly sought-after lecturer... Understandably. So, he probably has a lot of wisdom to impart about yeah, this technique and so, animation in general. So I'm sure it's come up. Yeah, and unfortunately, I don't... Well, listen, if she has ever given a interview in English, I have not found it. Our, our French education never took. Took it for a good ten grades, and well... 
I mean, even longer that, than that. I think, like, we usually started it in, like, kindergarten, even. I wouldn't count that as a grade, though. Yeah, Kindergarten but you, was just you, daycare. You learned the days of the week. I had to repeat mo- most of kindergarten because I couldn't get cursive right. You were learning cursive in kindergarten? I know. I was offended. That's like, wh- insane. What do you mean? Like, what do you mean I have to write all fancy? That's for those grade one and grade two. Or yeah. let, let me just... You know, grown-ups. Exactly. Let me do my puzzle in peace, damn it. I'll play some math games instead. Oh, hell yeah. Uh, fun, just a real fun bit of uh, something that probably made uh, Martine Chartrand really uh, honored was uh, she won the pre-Iris uh, Best Animated Short Film for Black Soul, and her mentor, uh, Alexander Petrov, won the same award two years ago for The Old Man in the Sea. Aww. Yeah. Which I, I did also learn that while she was um, studying with, with Petrov, uh, she was kind of instrumental in that movie getting released because she was, uh, she was the one who was translating his film proposal. Right, because uh, the film uh, The Old Man in the Sea was, like, worked on in Montreal. Yes. And it was, like, a co-production of Russia, Canada, and I think Japan, of all things. Because, mm-hmm. like, Alexander Petrov also had, like, a relationship with Japan. Like, a working relationship. Yeah, I think the he he made a film right after that. Uh, well, he took part in the film. Do you know that? You might know this one. Uh, Winter Days by uh, Kirichiro Kawamoto. The name is familiar. It's this um, infamous film, not infamous, famous film, where it's like 36 stanzas of a poem done by 36 different animators. Oh, that's cool as shit. Yeah, and uh, Kirichiro Kawamoto is a puppet animator, so that's what his segment was. But you also have like uh, Yuri Norstein from Russia working on that, and Raoul Servais from Belgium working on that, and, uh, yeah, Alexander Petrov doing Paint on Glass for that movie. Cool. Oh, hey, Takahata did a... Yeah, yeah, I think, uh, he he appears in that, too, yeah. There's also, um, Canadian and Czech, uh, Czech puppet animator Bratislav, uh, Poyar. Yeah, so this, uh, that film is technically Canadian. I mean, a very, very small technically Canadian, (laughs) because there's, like, uh, 20 other countries involved. Well, but, hey, yeah. There's al- yeah, there's also Co uh, Hodman, who's a oh, Dutch Canadian yeah, yeah. animator. No, is his is this film the um, the sand thing, the sand castle? Uh, it does not say. No, not his. Uh, I think that's his most famous film is like the sand castle. Oh, uh, yes. Yeah, it's like one of the the few NFB films to win in best animated short. Oh hell yeah. Yeah, so like the flying sailor should have. Well, look, we we have to put that to bed. No, I'll die. Angry we can't about be it. bitter. I can. I can't. I'm very good uh, at you, it. You, st- you stay bitter. Shall we move on to the next one? Allongé ce matin, le chef de draft, le gros malouin a dit les billes sont pris. Qui d'entre vous, avec sa gaffe, va faire tout pour que ça se dégrafe? Celui-là viendra pas. 
C'est un chant dans cette air de jazz que McPherson a pris de large. Sur son parcours, une fleur sauvage, au-dessus de sa tête, un petit nuage, du soleil jusqu'à l'Occident. Des diamants pleins d'accès, des symphonies de sous les flots. So, for the other half of this double feature on Chatran's work, we selected her latest film, McPherson, released in 2012, which dramatizes a which dramatizes the relationship between young poet and singer, uh, songwriter, Félix Leclerc, uh, and chemist, Jamaican-born chemical engineer, Frank Randolph McPherson. This short is, again, dealing a lot with history and memory, specifically of these two people, their uh, opposed histories, personal, and the way that they have bonded over their love of chess, music, and specifically the inspiration that uh, McPherson gave to Leclerc to write one of his most famous uh, compositions, uh, which is about log driving. So... Funnily enough, Crazy. this is the second time on the NFP showcase where log driving has come up. I mean, it's kind of integral to uh, a, a a large chunk of Canada Canadian wilderness. We got we got logs. We gotta get them logs somewhere. I guess so. Uh, but Leclerc's uh, song is not as jaunty as the log driver's waltz, but it's still a beautiful uh composition that which you can hear quite prominently featured in the short mcpherson and the the short itself is this idea of cultural exchange and building friendship across uh cultural divides and how that can lead to the creation of beautiful art in a way because despite the like despite the fact that um uh, McPherson and Leclerc were, again, just bonded over uh, their love of jazz music. Uh, it inspired Leclerc enough to pretty much put McPherson into this uh, history of log driving and create this uh, fantasy for him. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, cause, uh, the late, uh, a good chunk of like the later stage of the, uh, of the short is this dramatized story of like a log jam and McPherson sweeping in on riding on a log like a like a noble hero to like drop some dynamite to dislodge mm -hmm. the the jam and then he rides away on a log into the night <laughs> i i love this yeah the the short itself is uh it's it's both a tribute to Leclerc and McPherson, as well as the McPherson of Leclerc's composition, uh, because in this uh, in this meeting between the two, she jumps back and forth between them bonding over jazz music, chess, and their shared interests, as well as dramatizing this uh, song that he wrote. But in that way, we again get this wonderful showcase for her transition work that yeah that her animation technique is specifically suited for and this is like another case of it i i'm so glad we we did end up deciding like doing the the two back to back because getting to see the amount of like technical skill like 
artistic development over the course of 12 years of constantly practicing and improving and, like, developing new techniques. Like, because Black Soul is gorgeous. And this is stunning. Yeah, like, the, the amount of skill and development that has happened in that 10-year period is... It's dark, as you would expect. I mean, that is a long time for her to really hone her craft, but... There is just something in the detail work in McPherson that wasn't missing in uh, Black Soul, but it's so much more prominent. It's so much more varied. It's so much more textured. Yeah, here. it's like like you're you're watching an artist who was already incredibly good get even better. Yeah, and like I think you you mentioned it uh, with Black Soul, how in these uh, like depictions of historical figures and even, like, the grandmother and uh, grandson, it's a little, like, sparse on detail. Like, you don't... You can't really make out a... You can't really make out, like, a facial feature in mm -hmm. them. It's, uh... It, it's really... Because of that smudge work, it's hard to make out. But these... Like, this looks like Felix Leclerc. I didn't even pull up a photo to see. <laughs> oh, it's a pretty good rendering. Like, for some reason... Well, not for some reason, but... Like, with that tenure divide, like, she really worked on adding detail to these images. And, I mean, let, let's just talk about it right away. The water. Oh, my God. If you want to, like, if you want to see just how far she has come as an artist and how great she has gotten at p paint on glass, look at the depiction of water in Black Soul and the depiction of water through the representation of water in uh, McPherson. It's smooth as butter. God. In McPherson and like her, I'm I'm obsessed with this shot from underwater, looking up as McPherson jumps over uh, over the logs, and like the mm -hmm. color work in the water, like the the mixtures of blues and greens, and and like pushing in some black in there to like make the water parts of the water seem ominous, like ah, obsessed. I love it. Yeah, it's gorgeous. Like, it is clearly... Because when she t took this project on and wanted to dramatize the what is occurring in the song that um, of McPherson by Leclerc, she knew that there was going to be a lot of water involved, yeah. which is no easy undertaking. I mean, ask any animator. It's one of the hardest things to animate. Yeah. Um, hey, Disney, y'all can get fucked with your hyper-realistic water effects. I don't want anything other than this for the rest of my life. No, I, I know that, like, liquid is moving because liquid was literally moving on yeah, the glass exactly. to make this effect. It's all about that texture. Like, you can feel it. Like, you can see the water moving. Yeah, the other, um, also, like, it's a smaller detail for, for this film, but I love the way she paints flowers. Oh yeah. Like yeah, there, it's... there's the flower that um that McPherson wears on his lapel that gets used as a, a transitional piece a lot. Um but there's mm -hmm. also like this even just a stationary shot of um like flowers sitting on sheet music and they are Yes, gorgeous. yeah, that's the one I'm thinking of. Cuz like she uh Martine Chauchand is also like uh she's a painter and illustrator and like the way she paints flowers is just beautiful. I, you said it last time, like, every frame is indeed a painting. Mm -hmm. But in this one, 
it feels like there are more potentials for still life to come out of every single like screenshot you can make. Like I'm I'm thinking specifically of that one shot of uh, McPherson's pets all huddled together. It's like I have seen that hung in like somebody's <laughs> rec room. Absolutely. Speaking of the pets, though, I I wrote down a single note about this short. Um, I'm really really winging it here. Uh, my singular note is tag yourself. I'm worried purring. <laughs> because I watch everything with subtitles on, and uh. <laughs> the subtitle for when when uh, Leclerc walks in, and like one of the cats looks up, and it's worried purring, and that just cracked my shit right up. Uh, I'll tag myself. I am the um, I am the cat that is fucking it up on the record player and scratching it. Oh, that's the same cat. That is the same cat. Okay. Same cat. Same cat, yeah. He's versatile. He's worried, yep. and he's also a DJ. Yep. Is that the same cat who's also playing with the dog's ear? No. No, that's the thing. It's a different cat. Different cat. This movie's very cozy. It's so good. Like, every single scene that, like, goes back to McPherson and Leclerc's friendship, like, they're just hanging out. Like... The, the the film opens with McPherson break uh baking bread, which is another gorgeous bit of animation of like mm-hmm. his hands kneading the dough, and so it's like his hands are almost like blurring into the painting of the dough. Beautiful, beautiful. Which again, it's it's just a way that um, Chartrand uses these uh, transitions and this smudge technique to. like evoke history and have it all blend in together like because that is a like the transition from the transition from the to get to the bread comes from mcpherson's uh like luggage that he's carrying after he first immigrated from to canada from jamaica Mm -hmm. like he's he's carrying all his belongings in like a laundry sack and the laundry sack comes into the frame completely covers it and then we transitioned into this house, like into him needing dough. Yeah. And I and I like how there's so many opportunities for that to happen throughout this um, short. Not only in the ways that this story that uh, Leclerc is composing keeps interjecting, but again, we have these little moments of Black history come out through uh, the decorations and knickknacks that. Uh, that McPherson has collected in his apartment. Mm-hmm. There's uh, there's also, like, a few um, more insidious undertones, because there's, like, I, I'm not sure how um, explicit it was in real life, but there is a, a note of um, McPherson possibly uh, being in love with Leclerc's sister. Oh, I, I think that's pretty explicit. Yeah, I mean, even in, like, the... Because it ends with Leclerc's uh, a letter regarding to him that his sister mourned McPherson's passing more than anyone else. Um, and so there there are a few scenes where they highlight the um, the issues of an interracial couple. Oh, yeah, there's that one shot, which, again, it comes out of uh, a transition that dissolved into uh, the keys of a, of a piano, and it's... A, a black man and a white woman, presumably McPherson and then Leclerc's sister, uh, holding hands and then jumping backwards into a sea of angry white faces. Yep. It's pretty evocative. Yeah. 
That's uh, well. That's okay. So that one comes from the boxing ring. That transition goes from the boxing that's ring. That's the transition. The, okay. They do come back. So on many the piano. transitions. Yeah, I'm sorry. This, this, for for how for being like an 11 minute movie, this there's a lot going on. But yeah, there even is, when it comes to rest, it is there constantly is a second moving. scene of um of the sister playing piano and him listening, and then that goes into the two of them kind of dancing on the keys together. Which is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And that, that is the moment where I noticed, uh, where you can really notice the smudge technique. Yeah. Where, like, you can, if you look around the two figures and them coming together, linking hands and starting their dance, just look at the way that the background of the, of this, like, these, uh, black keys on the keyboard start to shift around. Yeah. And again, they pirouette together into a flower. And then, like that, turn. Then the keyboard, the the keyboard turns into water, which freezes, showing ice. And then the like spheres of the ice turn into geese, which then take flight. Like this movie is gorgeous. Martine, now you're just showing off. You're, Martine, you're flexing. I I know that the you had ten over ten thousand paintings, but calm down, Let Jesus. Her cook. We can only handle so much. Let her cook. Let her cook. Yeah, it's it's fascinating because we never really get this opportunity on the NFB showcase because we want to use uh, these side episodes to cover as much as possible. So we don't usually do a double feature of a single artist. But uh, let Martine cook. Yeah, because she's only getting better. Yeah, if that's the the difference from two thousand to twenty twelve, it's been it's been twelve years since McPherson came out. Imagine how good she is now. God, the the next film that she make is going to be like the. It's going to be the coziest thing ever, because this this short is you can respectfully you can fall asleep to it. Yeah, fall asleep to it. Complimentary. Yeah, you can fall asleep to it and have the rest of the film play in your dreams. It's that just evocative yeah any any notes on the song itself because this is all this is technically technically a music video (laughs) right um i forgot to pull up a translation of the lyrics that was i was gonna do that and then i didn't it's nice oh don't worry like uh yeah it's it's very nice um well the by the way the song was written in 1948 um yeah, it's it's very uh, storyteller. Like it is very based around what is happening and what is being dramatized. Like oh, okay. this is a very faithful adaptation of that song. Well, then I then I had a good time. There there are like a lot of lines and stanzas from the song that are specifically referenced in the in the short. Uh, specifically, uh, this one right here. But McPherson is in paradise, carried over by his friends. It's Milan who said it. Like, that one shot of the McPherson from the story, from the song, exploding, but there's no, like, after effect of that shock. It just, he jumps off the log and immediately lands on, like, a spectral boat with his loved ones. Okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a fun little, it's a, it's a fun memorial to a friend. Yeah. And so fascinating that um, Martin Chartrand was inspired by this relationship yeah. and the song that it produced. Because, I mean, 
you you saw it in Black Soul. She loves to work with music and have that be an integral part of the film itself. Yeah, and I I think it's it's awesome when an artist can find these little bits of history. Like this is a song that was inspired by a very intense friendship and sort of mourning the fact that like he lost this friend while he was away. And so wanting to create a better ending for for this friend than the one he got. And mm-hmm. so like the history behind that song is is something that it's it's I love when an artist can learn about that story and be so drawn to it that they want to memorialize that. Oh, if any, if there was anything we learned from Black Soul is that uh, Martine Churchan is very focused on representing history in her work. Yes. Even like from the uh, from the important uh, international like uh, large narratives of history to the smaller ones like a strange friendship, strange loving friendship between uh, a chemical engineer and a jazz artist. <laughs> chemical engineer and a jazz. Why not? You, you wouldn't think they'd have a lot to talk about, but they had a lot to talk about. Yeah. I feel like we, because we are not uh, Quebecois, we have given uh, Felix Leclerc the short end of the uh, shaft here because he is a major, major, major figure. Oh, God, I would in, not have known. <laughs> uh, not only for his Quebecois political activism, but, like, he's been given the Order of Canada. He's in the Canadian Songwriter Hall of Fame. Uh, like, 20 albums to his name and has an award named after him. Oh, my God. I do not pay enough attention. <laughs> I mean, he's a great musician, I'll say that much. Uh, and a strong figure in the Quebec nationalism uh, movement. I guess, I guess good for him. Anything left to say on the works of Martine Chartrand other than please come back? Please, please, Martine, please. Uh, yeah, oh my god, I, I really hope that she does uh, get an opportunity to make something new. I, I, would, be, I would be overjoyed. Yeah, I, th- I think she's pretty well satisfied in her uh, current career as a lecturer for... Uh, art workshops and conferences and visiting lecture to like universities and probably uh, like I, I'm sure that she is a she is on the guest list for Concordia University forever. 100%. That, that's definitely like at any time she's in town she'll just be like hey do you want me to swing by for an hour? And I'm sure that's a really rewarding job like uh helping uh, the next generation of animators uh, find their voice and technique through her experience and her expertise. But, you know, NFB, we mentioned it before, like, when we started this podcast, you have a responsibility to support uh, Canadian artists in all shapes, forms, and colors. And as, as even though we ran into the issue earlier where it's like she was kind of the only option for this nfb showcase uh damn good option yeah she probably has another movie in her if you want to i don't know reach out and see if uh she wants to make another one and in addition to that 
open up your coffers a little bit more to yeah. uh, black artists. Yeah. Well, while you're at it, let's let's fund, you know, other artists. Like Martine is wonderful, yeah, but... and I and I hope that she does uh, get another get another film in. But it would also be wonderful to give uh, a new young upstart animator a chance. Yeah. Let's not um, let, let's not go the route of well, we. We gave money to one black artist, so job done. Yeah, we're done. We're done here. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Crack open that wallet a little more. Yeah, like this is your kind of for a lot of independent animators uh, wishing to find their voice and find their way and finding their uh, skills in a very competitive industry. You're kind of one of the only vestiges for them to get uh, an opportunity. So. Yeah. Be a little more lenient. The, the fact that all three of uh, Xiao Chan's films were done through the NFB, like that she she has not been able to make a film independently, whether that's by her choice or by circumstance, I don't know. I think it's I think it's just because Paint on Glass is a time consuming and expensive process. Yeah. Like she's working with materials here. Yeah, this is this is not a style of animation that uh, can be moved into the digital age very easily. Hold on, how? Let me just Google something. How much does ten thousand <laughs> plates of glass cost? Uh, all right. Well, the first um, the first result was a cost model for a small glass manufacturing enterprise. So. Oh boy. If I just yeah, well, let's let's just say, what if I just wanted to buy a small One. pane of glass? Just a small okay. Okay, so around uh, a single pane can be around fifty to a hundred dollars. So just you know, multiply that by ten thousand. I I would prefer not to. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Is do is there an artist glass that I don't know about that's super cheap that she's just using? Please, please say yes. Oh man. Well, look if there's if there's only one place for somebody to fund this uh, type of project, it would be the NFE and by extension, like the Canadian Art Art Council. So, again, chop chop. Be more be more receptive to more diverse artists an evergreen statement for the nfe always and forever mm -hmm. so that's going to do it for this latest trip to the nfb i hope you very much enjoyed it if you like what you heard and how could you not please consider giving us a like share review and subscribe on your podcatcher of choice preferably apple podcast because that reaches the widest possible audience you can find the show on Twitter at Cartoon Night Pod, where we post new episodes every Saturday. Except when we don't. It's all up in the air. It could come out anytime. This one might come out tomorrow. I don't know. You can I mean, find myself. It's not, yeah. it's not actually going to come out in Black History Month because, oops. I didn't want to mention that, but well, like, okay. yeah. So uh, one of my co co-workers is is a black gentleman and his birthday is in early uh, March and so he likes to joke that actually Black History Month doesn't end until after his birthday so there you go yeah so we're in the clear and it's a leap year too yeah <laughs> I swear to God uh, I don't think anybody in my um, 
at my work knows what a leap year is because they all put uh, on the expiration dates for stuff like February 30th. Uh-huh. They were just running on autopilot. Like for the schedule for next week, it's like your work schedule between uh, February whatever and February 30th. It's like, excuse me? <laughs> February what now? Where the fuck did you get this calendar? Well, Glad hey, you know weather. what? We're we're right. <laughs> we're releasing an episode by by February thirtieth or February thirty first. If it makes me right, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Fine. There we go. <laughs> you can find me on Twitter at Cinema Creep, where I will be spending February thirty first uh, doing God knows what because that is fake time and nothing can be held against me. Uh, and you can find me at, uh, Sylvie Skeletons, where, um, same. There you go. Piggyback on my joke. Yep. Hey, I got, I had tag yourself, I'm worried, purring. That was, that was my contribute, my humorous contribution. I, and I couldn't beat it, because I used the same fucking cat. Okay, goodbye. <laughs> Bye.